0: I've entitled this somewhat cheekily, is that a word? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> that I, I, I think, as, as a preacher, I should defend the trade, because I believe that good preaching solves almost everything. Now that's an arrogant position to take, but so I think does the Apostle Paul, so, um, and most others who have observed the church down through history, John Stott. Not that long ago, said, "As preaching goes, so goes the church." And you are an evidence of good preaching. Um, people come, stay, and leave because of the pastor. Isn't that? That's a gross thing, but it's true. And uh, this is where we stay uh, in the Word through preaching. It is this unique Christian. As the word folly comes to mind. And in fact, those are the words that we'll see in the text. Um, <clears throat> honored to be with you. I love Calvary Baptist Church. Partly because I was, I came to Christ through Calvary Baptist Church. Not this one. <clears throat> but in Fort St. John. And uh, discipled by a preacher. And so my, my affection is full of memories. As well as Calvary Baptist Church has got to be the two central words of my life. Calvary and Baptist. That should be right evident. It's because of Calvary and how we understand church. You've named named it and nailed it. Don't, Don't hesitate to celebrate it. We cherish so many of you who have befriended us over the years. We'll not start calling you out because I'll miss somebody or talk to somebody that isn't my friend anymore and I don't want to do that. <clears throat> you are central, central to the mission of our of our Baptist Child Conference in BC, BCBC. BC. You are you have been central to Canadian Baptist Seminary through generosity of funding and and gifting of your of yourselves to these mission experiences. You have church planted, you have risked, you've been creative. Um, Thank you. We grew up together. We were Ellendale Heights, and you were the little church with the little building over next door, and we saw God do things among us, and we celebrated each other. In those words, we thought it would never end, but it did, and now we have a new chapter, and it's a good one bit about Renee and I. We do have three children, uh, several others that we cherish as our own, although although not born of our love. We have ten grandchildren, eight boys, and two girls. The oldest is among us today. Two new granddaughters by marriage. Our home church is Brookswood, uh, where we worship and serve, and greetings from them this morning. If we want to find out how to do church in the year of our Lord 2020 and this next decade, it would be good to look at the text, look at the book. Not the plethora of books about how to do church, but this book. And I've been a student of how to do church through a lot of other books, and I wrote some dissertation on it and so on, and I remember the humiliating experience of writing this great thesis on how to grow a church, and then when I graduated and finished off the dissertation, the church stopped growing. And I've thought over the years that was truly, there's some connection there. Um, But St. Paul, Paul the Apostle, has this most detailed and and often somewhat gritty uh, instruction manual in the Corinthian letters or how to do church. We're not going to do that, but we're going to look, first of all, at, at what he came initially, when he came initially, as recorded in, in Acts 18, what kind, of, what kind of platform, what kind of base this church at Corinth was based upon. Um, globally, The Christian story is being received by two-plus billion people this morning around the world in a new year. Many of them will celebrate Eucharist, communion, the Lord's table, and we're with them. They'll do it in the the cathedrals, and they'll do it in the hidden places. It 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 is the greatest story in world history from such an ignoble beginning. Um, There are more more believers now in China than there are in in Europe. Um, Africa, south of the Sahara, continues to explode with with revived, renewed belief. Iran, fastest growing church, Percentage wise, in the world, Korea sends more missionaries than any other nation now in the world. And you can go on and on and on. I, I read recently Mark Knowles' book, uh, From Every Nation, Tribe, and Tongue. It's the story. It is a grand story. So, is there hope? My goodness. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. That's the theme. And it's going to get better and better. And worse and worse. That's that's the times we live in. So we look at Canada. Our dear Canada. (laughs) I'm a Canadian. Uh, My wife is partially a Canadian. (laughs) these mixed marriages have their advantages but there's times when they're interesting Um, Canada we see that Christendom in Canada is collapsing rapidly what I mean by that is the state support of Christianity and it is Moving from complete affirmation, probably at our founding, to now seen as tolerated to some degree, but often looked upon as foolish. Um, Evangelical worship numbers are as well declining across Canada. Christmas attendance, across the board, just saw this a few days ago, is 50% of what it was in 1985. You will experience Calvary Baptist, Brookswood. Most of our conference churches are either plateaued or declining in worship. Not so many people have left, they just don't come as regularly. We live in a world of options. Uh, I've I shared this with some of you. Renee, and remember Dale when we first started out, Ellen Dale? <clears throat> On a Sunday morning, <clears throat> a committed believer in his church would attend church 48 times a year, two and a half times a week. When I left district work in Alberta it had decreased to something around 40 times a year and one and a half times a week. It has continued to decline. We see church becoming an option. And Paul says something different. (laughs) Um, So happy New Year! (laughs) (laughs) This is is 2020. So what do we got ahead of us? Um, There is good news for 2020. In this decade, we're not sure where this quote comes from. Did did Jesus say this? Was it a quote from Isaiah? Was it an amalgam? Was it from a lost letter, from an apocryphal work? But again, let's read it, hear it, think it. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, and that includes us today, you Calvary Church, wonderful people of God. So how can we say this? How do we get this to this preferred place that he wants us? Let's start with preaching. I am absolutely astounded at how effective preaching is. <laughs> Not this preacher, but others. And let me just talk about it through Paul's lens from 1 Corinthians. We'll focus on four absolutes in the preaching task for this coming year for Calvary Church and everyone who takes this responsibility. Um, preaching is this historic, universal method in the Christian world of advancing the kingdom. It is central to the task. It is, has two dimensions to it. It's got kerygma, the heralding of the good news, and it's got didache, the teaching, the line upon line... Precept upon precept until it saturates God's people. The good news. Kerygma, dedicate. And some will stand at this desk. My good friend Milk Fair over in Edmonton says he's a teacher, he's not a preacher. Okay, I'll, I'll let him do that. I think I'm more of a preacher. Uh, each age needs to embrace these things. The first, embrace the method Paul used and he calls it this folly or this foolish message. Let's let's turn put put the screen up. Can we do that? Well we'll take a look beginning at verse 18 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read through it, follow along with me. I'll read from the NIV. There's one word that I'd like to to address. Actually, it's the uh, In the first sentence of verse 18, it is the word message in your NIV, I prefer the word in the ESV, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the age of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, uh, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ, crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. People of God, think think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. When I came to you, brothers, people of God, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I I decided, I resolved to know nothing um, while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear, and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. And this is the word of God, amen. Paul's words. He described the the method of his preaching as as foolish, as silly. Both those terms are used, or, and the other word is scandalous, and we'll get to that. Um, Each age has its philosophies that sweep through a culture and change it for generations to come. Um, perhaps today the most challenging of the philosophies that, that mark, that shape our culture, one would be called scientism, and the other is certainly still enlightenment and its children, offspring. Scientism is just simply that science meets all needs. We are material. God is, if he's there, doesn't have anything to do with it. This, this, is, this is all there is, folks. Milk it for what it's worth. Um, there's songs about that theme. <laughs> um, the other is the concept of the Enlightenment, where man becomes sovereign. Rousseau and the sovereignty of man is the, the crucial text behind this view of, of history. And so man, in his wisdom, will find out what is good and in a consensus or not, choose. And what it is chosen is that uh, anything goes. It is tolerance above everything else except for those who are seen as not tolerant. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Uh, The worship of creation is advancing with Alarming panic. It's another form of the offspring of scientism and the enlightenment. Paul's words respond to these and to the isms of our time. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing because of all these other philosophies. Marked by the two groups called, and he names them, Jews and Gentiles. That includes all of us today. Uh, for the Jews, which came to Christ first in, in Corinth, the story is there, and, and he witnessed to them, and many Jews believed, but then the synagogue was closed to him, and he went to the Gentiles, and from then on, he evangelizes the Gentiles. The Jews saw the message of the cross, as their stumbling block or the scandal, scandalos, the scandal. No no person could ever be a Messiah who was hung on a tree because that person was cursed, not understanding that the curse was for us, the lifting of the curse as he took the curse. That's the grand picture of Calvary, speaking of the name of this wonderful clan of people. He took the curse for us on the tree. Therefore, we cherish the cross. Thank you, by the way, for keeping the the extended Christmas incarnational picture up for us. It lasts at least through the Orthodox Christmas, which is still about three days or four days away. So the stumbling block is that ism that Christ addresses through Paul. But God, in his glorious way, changes that curse to enable us to celebrate the curse has been lifted. Some of the great Christmas songs reflect that. The second group, the Greeks, the Gentiles, who spread their philosophies universally saw it as silliness, as folly, as, as just plain dumb. What what savior, what king, what leader, what, what Caesar, what, what Messiah would ever get entrapped in that silly off-street court charade that Jesus got caught in? That's no Messiah. No wonder they say it was foolish nonsense. The wisdom of this world says, Jesus is silly. You'll face it. I uh, face it myself. Um, The cross to those who are perishing is really foolish. Calvary Baptists are in the middle of it. And maybe you're here this morning thinking, get it over with, I came with somebody. (laughs) It happens all the time. And then Paul uses this wonderful language of, uh, of I, I don't know what even the you good English majors could describe the use of it, it's, it's metaphor, it's, it's irony, and he says that um, he chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things, I'm not, uh, wait, uh, I've got to go up to verse 25. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. I, I, it's, it's, it's a lovely way of saying the foolishness of God, you can't put those two together and Paul does. The weakness of God can't put those together and Paul does. It's, it's one of those wonderful ironies that state there is nothing like the grandeur and beauty of the cross of Christ. So that's what he comes to preach. The church, um, in its simplicity of proclamation, is profounder than the attack of any ism that we face today. Whether it be pragmatism, whether it be nihilism, scientism, exclusivism, communism, Nazism, fundamentalism, You name your ism, (laughs) and we all have them, it is is nothing. Christ's cross has it hands down. Glory. And the good news is for us then as we face 2020, no eye has seen nor has, has, has an ear heard nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And we are called to believe it. So, first thing is the method. The preaching of the cross. Central. Secondly, we must must see Paul again embrace who we are in this. And he talks about the Corinthian people and he talks about Calvary Baptist. Because these scriptures relate to us and to Brookswood and to any other church. Uh, Verses 26 through. 31. He says, remember when you were called. What a a great discipline. Can you remember that this morning? Let's try that on. Tell your own story. Don't, Don't take too long. You can actually get lost because I've got some more to say, but what a good way to remember. And he's just saying, not many of you were very important. And uh, now there are some that were, he said, if you say not many of you, it must have been some that were, so we'll give you that. (laughs) Um, But he said, not many of you were of, of much importance. We just can't take pride in who we were, where we come from, our gifts, our successes, our status, our race, our address. Oh, that's important. We're from Surrey, by the way. We're much humbler than you are here in Coquitlam. Can't take pride in high birth. I'm related somehow to Winston Churchill. Did you know that? (laughs) True, but unimportant. Brilliance, handicap. Like the apostle, he says, I counted everything but loss for the sake of Christ and knowing him. So again, another pause. What do I count in my life as better than my, my person sitting beside me? That's also part of the reality of the church. And he concludes this pericope saying, I have one, only one thing to boast about. It's Calvary. I'll boast about Christ. I boast about cross, and I humbly declare that he took me out of death and quickened me and made me alive in Christ. That's central to the new task. That's who we are, and that's what we must embrace. The other dimension of who we are is also seen in Corinth, and we're prone. Every church has it, latently prone to division. <clears throat> I remember thinking in my pastor experience there was three circles. I should have written them down. I can't do it. There were three circles. I was pastor of the inner circle of, of Cedar Grove in those days, pastor there. And there was another circle that intersected with that circle. I was not their pastor, but they were part of the church. That's reality. Their pastor was Haggai or some other great gospeler who had a huge church somewhere, but I just didn't match up in their eyes. But they attended because that's what you're supposed to do. That would never happen here, I'm sure, at Calvary, but it did at Cedar Grove. And then the other, other circle was the circle of those who were coming to Christ. They were not part of the church, but they're on their way, on their way to the kingdom. And, and that's true of every church. And you who are leadership and part of that that wonderful mixed journey, be aware of all three of those circles. Put yourself in them and say, is this where I should be? (laughs) So Paul says, "Some some of you were divisive in the church. Others were immoral in the church. Can that be true of a good Baptist church? Yeah. It rips us apart and starts often in the head. You're looking at a sinful man. Only by God's grace have I not blown it completely. Lift us up. Be aware of the clay in our lives. That's the church. Embrace that. And there was doubts, doubts about the resurrection. Drunkenness at the Lord's table. Any of you have been partying overnight? Maybe you shouldn't take the Lord's table. That's Paul saying. Boy, is that gritty. <laughs> Never think of that? That's, that's what we get, get when we read Paul closely. Embrace the reality of who we are. We're nothing outside of him. It's a, it's a glorious but difficult truth because I always want to elevate myself. I've been competing since I can remember. <laughs> I started off in grade two as a yellow bird and then I got moved up to bluebird's. And when I got out of grade two, I was a red bird. We're all prone to that. Is it part of the fall? I don't know. I don't know psychology well enough. So, he does that. He says, embrace who you are. But then, he said, because of this, and that's where we come, that is, because of him, you are in Christ, verse 30, who has become for us the wisdom of God, our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. And all those words are worth several weeks of messages. And maybe whoever does it can do those. So, embrace the method. Embrace who we are. And then, embrace this, this messenger whoever it will be, and we look here at chapter 2, the first paragraph, and we see the kind of messenger God uses. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence, superior wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimony of God. Um, The messenger, St. Paul, by his own witness... He said he was not much of a preacher. Said, Do you realize that? I thought, God, you should, use, you should really use a good preacher if you're going to be an apostle. If you're going to change the world, use a good preacher. Because preaching is central to the church. Why not? Well, it's the kind of messenger God uses. And then he describes it. Um, he's measured not in terms of oratorical or rhetoric like Augustine, the great rhetorician. He's not the prince of preachers like Spurgeon. Um, In fact, I, I confess I love great preaching and I've studied it in my life and I work at it. But oratory doesn't win people to Christ. It can bring a crowd. Only the Holy Spirit brings people to Christ. But the foolishness of the message brings people to Jesus. Um, I I think we've had, I was raised in a little church plant in the Baptist Union in Fort St. John with a great preacher. Didn't know it at the time. I just thought that was like, I can still see him with his his revised standard version, which was controversial at that time, (laughs) preaching Christ. Just flipping the pages over. He knew that I was a little guy, Bill Ryan's. Yeah, Lord, if I could, I might become a preacher. I think of that still today. There are those in the midst who will say, if God could use me, let me do that. Are you raising those up to take our place? Yeah. I I think your preaching here have been incredible. You had the privilege of having great preachers here. Chris Price. Give me Chris Price every week till I die. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be a tough act to follow, except for one thing. If God calls the next one, he'll be the right one. So that's, that's what you've got to be listening for. Huh. We see here that this messenger also limits limits his message to the great themes we have a church today that often listens to the world so if we can get the applause of the community we think we're doing okay feed the poor do social justice take on activist chances do pro life any know i've been them all that's not central to the church you want a church plant to grow? Preach Christ. <laughs> that's, that's Paul did. huh? And he came trembling. I'm glad of that. I thought it might have been my age, but <laughs> I feel that way today. He came trembling, fearful, because he's handling the great oracles of God. He's handling Calvary. And any pastor that comes here must handle Calvary must must be overwhelmed by the cross of Christ before I can be a preacher calvary baptist good name <laughs> so when Christ is lifted up when calvary appears when the holy spirit takes over the midst when he encountered us we are changed and he preaches to the Corinthian Christians and he preaches to Calvary Baptists. Remember that. Nothing more important than coming back to the Word of the Cross. Which concludes our comments around that very thing. What is that message? Just we'll summarize it. It's really <clears throat> the members were not much. The method was foolish. The messenger was. He could have been better. <laughs> What was the message? As a believer, as a seeker, as a church, it's the word of the cross, verse 18. Chapter 1. The word of the cross, the logos of the cross. And you get Paul's ability to pack incredible meaning into a few languages. The Greek language is so rich in this area. The Logos of the cross, the incarnation of the cross. The word becomes flesh, and we come to the table. This is the drama of the cross. And we're, we're to participate in it. We're to handle the, the body and the blood of Christ. So what's it all about? The word of the cross, this logos from the first days of his public witness, John the Baptist. Looked at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. In the theological realm, it's called this vicarious, this substitutionary atonement. I took years trying to figure this out. I think I finally got close. <laughs> he took my sins away, <laughs> He died in my place. So, what are you guilty about this morning? He took that. What do you want to do that's sinful? "He took that. The only sin that's unforgivable is unbelief. Embrace the cross, Calvary. You got a great word, and a great cross. And a great savior. No eye is seen. No hearers heard. No mind is conceived what God has prepared for you in 2020. Amen.